That's my camera face. Close the door behind you. Oh, I did. Not that one. The other one. Oh. The closet door. Nobody needs to see how messy that thing is. Nobody. <clears throat> Nobody knows it but me. Hokey dokey, smoky pokey. Okay, dokies. Let's uh, hit this go live button. We're recording. We're recording. I put my yeah. And now we are live. Oh yeah, we're here. We're I see here. you. Oh shit, I see me now. Oh, we're here. All right, salute then. Salute Boom. to uh, episode two, episode season two. two. Yes. Hello, people. My name is Chibi. My name is Roost. And this is After Two Tequila Shots, an opinions podcast that uh, happens after we take two tequila shots. It's going down. It is always uncensored. Unfiltered. Unpredictable. Uncontrolled by the United States Congress, but always distilled. distilled. Let's go, people. I put my armor on, show you how strong I am. I do not cosign. I'm unstoppable. Uh, I got a shot of Milagro in me. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess. I guess I'll cosign. How's I, it going? I mean, we we getting by. With we a, in here with a little help from my friends. Shout out to everyone who's on live with us. This is an experiment, and if it goes well, then we'll do it again. If not, That's then right. we won't do it. Hola to the cup cupcakes for the listeners that are listening to this later. We are live on Instagram right now, uh, so that it truly is. Uncensored, unfiltered, unpredictable. Y'all getting that raw shit. That's right. Exclusive. Uh, we'll only be live for the first hour, so if you want to catch the rest of the episode, you're going to have to tune in. If you're watching live right now, you're going to have to tune in uh, wherever you get your podcast. But if you're joining for the first time or you just smoke too much weed, hi, everybody. My name is Chibi. I am a poet, publisher, producer, community organizer. And, um, you know. How's your week been? It's, it's been. It's been. Cool. It's been work. Work is good. Regular shit. Or Regular shit. Everything's fine. We're coasting. Uh, did I do anything? Spe- hosted blah on Wednesday. Yeah, that was a good show. Despite uh, Neptune just nutsacking That's us. That's right. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. Pluto has officially entered Aquarius. Damn right. Revolution season, son. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's fucking do it for twenty the, years. The Lord of the Underground. The next twenty years, you want something manifested is gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Changing shit. My name is Rooster. I am also a podcaster on After Two Tequila Shots, and uh, I'm just having a great day today. I was really kind of looking forward to this mm, yeah. yeah it's been a minute it's been a good i'm glad you had a great day the weather was gorgeous it really was i can go back to bragging to my co-workers in new york about how gorgeous it is in the winter here 70 degrees and sunny and um i'm here for it 100 percent. all right what well, kind of tequila are we drinking today all right today we've got milagro here pour me another uh, pour me another. me we all- show to folks yeah, that's right if anyone is uh hanging out with us and drinking as well we're about to pour our third shot we started with the two um but now Going into number three so that we can really savor. Yeah, get the flavors in. The flavors. Uh, what do you know about this brand, Chibs? Um, I know I've had it before. I've never had the Añejo. Uh, usually the Reposado. She's um, she's of good quality, of good stock. Uh, so. Yes, uh, mm. let's do this. Cheers to the audience. Very nutty. Mm-hmm. Fresh. 
No light burn. Light the lightest burn. The lightest of burn. It's like a it's like a like a little woodland nymph. Yes. Is dancing on your tongue, but she's Mexican. That's right. Because it's tequila. Mexican woodland nymph. Um it, it's smooth, it goes down. I like the flavor. I could see this paired with like a nice um stay. You know what I'm gonna say? I, this is not and this is not a slight to the brand Milagro because I do I'm okay with Milagro. It's a good it's a good brand. Okay. But this Añejo specifically is for if you are a white dude mm. who wants to eat at a Texas Roadhouse, Longhorn Steakhouse, something Chewies. like Chew, mm, Yes. Yes. This is Chewies. And you're like, look, I'm about to be a fancy pants in this bitch. Uh-huh. Get this this one and you're going to look like this a champion. A shot of this tequila at a restaurant would probably cost about $12, I would say. And it shouldn't be that much. No, no. The bottle itself, I think, was like 38, something like that. Maybe 42. Uh, yeah, see, that, but that goes back to my $40 rule. Like, yeah, yeah I wouldn't pay for it, over 40 for this. Get out of here. It's good. I think this is good. I think this is one of the smoother añejos we've had. It's definitely smoother. And I think, it, in to, to your credit, uh, it's almost more reposado-ish. Re- mm. It just it lacks bite because it's so smooth. Well, yeah, that's what you want. You want flavor. But you're also notorious for the iced tequila. Yeah, and I think that always curbs a lot of the bite. Yes, and that's why you you ice it. Well, we don't ice it. We keep it in the freezer because otherwise we dilute the flavor. I don't know. Cubby Cake asks, "What's with the voice changes? Are our voice? Do we just sound different? Do we sound weird? I don't know." Oh, well. Hopefully the sound's working. I know. If not, I mean, I'm getting the sound. So if you're just watching us and it sounds terrible, um, listen to the podcast. It'll drop Sunday morning. Yeah. That's and it. it's probably because Cubby hears me like yelling in a bar on a Wednesday all the time mm. or a bar on Tuesday. All the time. Uh, yelling. Or a so, bar on Sunday. Yeah. This is my normal talking voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surprising enough. Yeah. Because normally we're like this, people. Get hyped. And uh, she says like goes in and out. Y'all sound in and out of puberty. Fair enough. You know what? Maybe we are, okay? You know, this is the first time we're trying Instagram Live. Uh, This is a new feature on the streaming platform we use. If uh, we got uh, things we got to feedback to give them then uh, bugs to fix and work out we gonna bitch slap them with feedback that's right all puberty right. to go through fuck it all right but let's hit the news man we got stuff to talk about we are going bro we got feedback for people it this, was a heavy week let's go this is a major news events recap of the week real hip-hop hip-hop all right first things first uh last week we covered the um Critics' Choice Awards, the Golden Globes, and the Emmys. And mm-hmm. this week on Tuesday, Tuesday morning, bright and early, Oscar nominations dropped. They hit the streets. And uh, the internet has been a Twitter. When has the last time the internet been this nuts about the Oscars? Was it Oscar So White? Oscar So White was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, I think. That, oh, the other, the mistake they made between Moonlight and La La Land. That was hysterical. But that was at the Oscars. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I'm saying, I don't think, I can't think of a time that it's been this palpable. Yes. There is a visceral reaction. Across the Twitter sphere. For two main reasons. Um, one, Barbie's lack of nominations. Do we want to just get into the Barbie of it all? Let's start with the Barbie of it all. Okay. Because uh, Barbie was nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. America Ferrera was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Mm-hmm. 
Ryan Gosling was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Ken. Um, and Greta Gerwig was, was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Heard. However. It wasn't enough for the Barbie fans. W- there was it, it felt like a huge snub to Greta Gerwig and to Margot Robbie to not have them nominated in their acting and directing role. Mm-hmm. Since without those two... There would be no Barbie. I have some pushback. I, no, no, I, I hear it. You know, like, and some of the pushback is like, well, Margot Robbie did get nominated, you know, because she's a producer on the movie. So if the movie wins. Best picture, you got you got an Oscar. Yeah, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, and Greta Gerwig got nominated for her writing. But in a in a movie about the patriarchy. Ken yeah. gets nominated and Barbie doesn't. And, uh, and, and I don't think. Did, did Anatomy of a Fall get nominated for Best Director? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. So we had three female directors. Right. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't think Ryan Gosling deserved the nomination, period. Okay. Hot take. I just, it wasn't, I, it wasn't good. Uh, I'm not that it wasn't but good, but it wasn't question. like Oscar nominee, nominee good. Do you think Barbie was Oscar nominee good? No. Okay, then then your logic holds true. <laughs> yeah. And I want all the hate mail that is going to come in our feed <laughs> to go to at Gemini's. Um, okay. At Roost MTZ. Right. Um, and similarly, I mean, we had this conversation last time when we were talking about America's uh, monologue and how it was a little lackluster for me. But of course, you know, like, I still enjoyed it. I think the movie should have gotten nominated. I think Greta Gerwig should have gotten nominated for director. And I agree with the screenplay nominations. I would have been okay if there were no acting nominations. Is the is the crime of it all that Ryan Gosling shouldn't be nominated over Greta and I think Margo. so. I think and, so. No, in your opinion, not, and not not fuck the streets right no, no, now. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the streets. Salute to the streets. Yeah. But in your opinion specifically, would you because because see, circling back a little bit, while I do believe that Barbie is Oscar worthy as a Mm -hmm. movie, I think that Ken was kind of like the uh, the largest part of the movie, like his arc compared to Barbie's arc, which is still a phenomenal arc. It's a fucking arc. It's a huge arc. Yeah. Yeah, This motherfucker creates a horrible patriarchal revolution in Barbie land and then learns like it's a whole thing. Yeah. And it's it's a lot. And then sang a song that I just don't charted. see it as like an acting stretch, you know, like it wasn't any of that. I'm just like, yeah, it's Ryan Gosling just kind of being Ryan Gosling. Could little. anyone else have played Ken better? I mean, we had multiple Kens. One would argue. Well, oof, that's a that's a yeah. I think Sima Lu was a bomb. That's Ken. what I was going to say. One would argue sure. that, that that was the better Ken. But I think that also kind of circles back to the 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 streets and what they're the the brouhaha is all about, mm-hmm. which is like the white feminism at the center of it. The, you know, white Ken at the center of it yeah. and all these other things, because I, I agree. I think Sima Lu was arguably better mm-hmm. than Ryan Gosling, but I don't know. What do the people think? Let us know in the comments. <laughs> um, uh, and then there's a, wait, so what's your hot take? Well, uh, it's not so much of a hot take, but it was a comparison point. And I think this is something that has to do with white feminism specifically, which is, you know, and fairly so like white feminism has to always kind of combat white patriarchal 
cisgender heteronormative uh, normative milagro um (laughs) but uh sometimes what it also fails to realize is that like whereas i do think barbie was an impactful movie and it had a lot to say and it had a punch and i think it it has value in that the movie that i i had read some places that it was kind of compared to equally and i think also in this similar regard of the Oscars got snubbed was the original Black Panther because you mm-hmm. can argue that like this movie is saying so much about so many things but similar to Black Panther you're taking IP mm-hmm. from like a toy and from comic books uh-huh. and the the academy judging and all that I think they they, it leaves a taste in their mouth. Yeah. Whereas the Oppenheimer of it, which we talked about a little bit last week, is that's the cheat code. Is it's like, oh, if it's a historical figure and if it's some sort of like talking about America, the history of it all, they're more apt to do that. And they're not giving Barbie that cheat code, which I do feel is unfair. Mm-hmm. Because similarly, I think Black Panther, Black Panther, the first one was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Chadwick was great. I think there was a lot of acting in that movie. And, the, and then again, the, the reimagining of like Afrofuturism and all these other things was great. Um, and it, it was very similar to Barbie in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah the, and the I Academy think, sucks. But it, 100%, yes. Uh, but I think you you see them leaning into acknowledging they're like, okay, it's a good move, right? It got, an, it got an Oscar nom for Best Picture, right? And it's only one of a handful of comedies in recent years that, is, that has gotten that, right? Um and, and similarly with the screenplay, like brilliantly written, right? So great on Greta for getting that nomination as well. Um, Lady Bird Gang. Lady Bird Gang, that's right. Uh, complete sidetrack, just because you mentioned um, Black Panther. There was a joke, uh, I think it was it John Mulvaney that made it? I forget. He was hosting some award show and uh, he, he was like, Angela Bassett got oh, nominated yeah. for a Oscar for her role in a Marvel movie. That's like having a Twitter comment winning a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. Um, and I completely concur. <laughs> and this is also why I say time and time again, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, best movie of 2023. Agreed. The other one that seemed um, unusually absent just because of its presence that it's had at other award shows was The Color Purple. Sure. Um, Fuck the Academy. Yeah. We, I mean, Daniel Brooks got uh, a nomination, rightfully so. But uh, the movie didn't get a nomination. I don't think any other actors got a nomination. I didn't check in the technical ones. Maybe there was a screenwriting adapted screenplay. I don't know. Here's a question for you, though. How many movies need to be fucking nominated? (laughs) Because right now we're at 10, I think. I think I think 10 is where it's at. Okay. And that's a lot of movies, friend. That is a lot of movies. But then that also, then I go to the, like the actress category where there were only five. No, but that I think is part of the problem. If you're going to nominate 10 movies, let's go 10 on all these. Yeah. Motherfucking deals. Consistency people. Straight up. Yeah. Like, I don't like, I think they don't have a cap, right? Yeah, it's all made up, man. So the question is, why not mm-hmm. nominate additional people? And I think, and I think the Academy, I, I think all, a lot of award shows in general, like the Emmys and so forth are f- really having this existential problem of just like, why do people tune into us regularly, like year after year after year, mm-hmm. when it just seems less and less valuable because people are finding the things that they love and holding on to them for dear life. This is why people are going nuts about the new Stranger Things that is finally in production. Uh, but, you know, 
for years and years and years, it's okay. Madman is winning, but is that really the show that's got the streets ablaze full of conversation? Like, I don't know, but I did go and start watching Abbott Elementary, and that shit is fire, bomb ass <laughs> show. Absolutely, I can't remember the last time I watched a comedy, much less like a sitcom comedy like these that are just like twenty minute episodes. I I don't know when was the last time like I watched. Modern Family, maybe yeah, no, something like that. Years, it's been years, yeah. and I am I am I'm belly. Abbott is that belly show. laughing? Oh yes. yes, no, Abbott is that show, and it only gets better. Cackling, yeah, cackling. Uh, tangent so uh there are some things that we we did see and we are uh, excited for right yeah uh, a round of applause for these folks first time nominees let's just uh, get the applause going the applause is going for emily blunt first time nominee for oppenheimer that surprised me i didn't know that she hadn't been uh, nominated before. yeah uh daniel brooks for the color purple great for her sterling k brown for american fiction coleman domingo for rustin America Ferrera for Barbie, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Hewler, Anatomy of a Fall, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. That one also surprised me. I didn't know that it was we Jeffrey Wright. We ride for Wright's. Jeffrey Wright. Didn't know it was Jeffrey Wright's first uh, time. This is also the first time that two openly queer actors are nominated for playing queer characters. True facts. Uh, in Coleman Domingo and uh, in uh, Jodie Foster, uh, which uh, we just recently saw Nia. It's such a good movie. You just saw what? Nyad, the movie oh, that she yeah, nominated yeah, yeah, for. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was powerful. I'm here There's, for it. And now I think that's also a weird thing about this year's uh, Oscars and just movies in general was it felt like a lot of movies came out in the last quarter mm. of the year, mm -hmm. didn't have huge like marketing pushes and such. And so like a, like uh, Anatomy of a Fall for one, it's like I didn't know that that was a thing. And now I'm really excited to even check it out and and a few others that are on that list. Yeah. So, no, we stand all y'all respect to, to Jeffrey Wright. We're definitely Jeffrey Wright gang. Uh, definitely Coleman Domingo gang. I've been rolling with you ever since The Wire. Uh, and Starley Kane Brown. It's hella underrated actor. Yeah, I still need to watch American Fiction. I'm. Uh, it's it's a comedy, quote unquote. Have you seen it? No, <laughs> no. Because it did win. It did. Did it win? The actors were nominated for best Something, actor in yeah. a music and comedy in the um, other award shows that yeah. split the two. So I'm like, is I'm it really it? a comedy? Yeah, I'll check it though. We'll see. What else? Uh, that's it. We can get over the Christopher Nolan. I just wanted to bash Christopher Nolan a little bit. <laughs> One more time. Exactly. That's, that's really what it was. Because so th what I put in the show notes for those who aren't here was Christopher Nolan and the next Michael Jordan problem. And what I think it is, is is it's this a lot of the love that he gets is is sort of late to the, the party love mm -hmm. because, you know, Memento and mm. some of his earlier films, even The Prestige and, and a lot of movies like that. Love those. Uh, Both of those. Very appreciated, but hadn't gotten enough maybe rec due Re at the time. Recognition via awards. Yes. Right. And what well, the reason why I call it the next Michael Jordan problem is because I think this is something that like LeBron James had to deal with in the NBA and not just him, but also like other players where it's like when you have I think in the 90s we hit this peak of of cinema and then it became well where's the next auteur cinema mm -hmm. and I think there's a lot of pressure and I think there's a lot of undue pressure on that because mm -hmm. I think um, Jordan Peele's dealing with that a lot right now mm -hmm. I think Greta Gerwig is kind of dealing with that a lot and I think at my main criticism is is I feel like Christopher Nolan is getting those that title that's kind of starting to gain relevance like a Scorsese mm -hmm. like a Tarantino mm -hmm. and I don't think it's that that justified man I mean I think it's hit or miss you know like I um the the 
Batman, the Dark Knight trilogy that he directed, I thought were really great movies. Um, the whole trilogy. You well, like the first one. Uh, the first one I was good. I love the first one. And the second one was the best, sure. obviously. And the third one was, was also good as a movie. You know, like I enjoyed it. I liked it. I'll watch all three again. I have. Um, Inception 2, I thought was brilliant. Here's a question for Tenant, you. Tenant, no, no. Here's a question. Well, see, you know what I kind of, how I look at Christopher Nolan? He is the thinker's Michael Bay. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not mad at that. Yeah. It's a zone, but he get but I swear there's cheat codes galore. Sure. Cuz it's that Michael Bayification of things. Like did I cry when Bruce Willis was on the asteroid telling Ben Affleck to take care of his daughter? Yes. <laughs> Is that emotional ma manipulation? Absolutely. But, but that's did, the job. But did Christopher Nolan copy that in Inception where uh Matthew McConaughey is just crying and now it's a meme? 1000%. This guy is fraudulent. This guy be using the cheat wow. codes. I said it. You said plagiarism is what you said. I'm not wrong <laughs> because you can Tarantino does a lot of the same thing, but he it's all you can clearly see that what Tarantino does is like homages and assists and mm -hmm. even like Scorsese does that. But Nolan, I got eyes on you always, mm. my dude. I think Tarantino uh, did the right thing in his career. where He's like, I'm going to make a movie every 10 years or something sure. right and just drop a movie it's brilliant walk away disappear into the shadows work on your next movie for another six to seven years drop another movie and uh and then just be nuts about it i mean like kill bill one and two are, are underrated films are are they oh yeah because arguably they're some of the best films ever made i agree one like they are so good and, and the way that they're balanced too like kill bill one was like 70 percent action 30 percent story and mm -hmm. then kill bill two was 70 percent story 30 percent action yeah and just like as a complete package i'm like i will sit down for these six hours yeah there's a lot of tarantino that i think is still underrated mm. Like mm -hmm. Magnificent Seven, I think has it, it, it can make a claim to that. I think even Django, to a certain degree, can mm -hmm. needs mm -hmm. to be in higher regard yeah. than this Christopher Nolan crap. But I think Tarantino also like solidified his place in history with like Reservoir Dogs. Just he came out the gate, yeah, hot, and it was like done, uh, and then made pulp. And, and pulp, pulp fiction, yeah. and so he didn't really. Uh, Tarantino did more uh, movies he would watch. This yes. is very true. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, I, and see, I think that's the thing is I. And I, why wouldn't you, though? Exactly. I want to make a movie I would watch. Oh, uh, yeah. Shout out to Miguel. Hateful Eight. Hateful he Eight. I know. I was like, Magnificent Seven? Oh, what yeah. the fuck is that? Thank you. Yeah. That's the Milagro talking. <laughs> All right. Uh, what we got on here next? Uh, Netflix and Raw 2025. All right. So for the listeners who are, this is your first time listening. This is my first time hearing of this, too. We are Mexican. We are. And, and live in San Antonio. Apparently, and I think I knew this in my heart, but now it's starting to get more and more confirmed that just being a Mexican in the U.S. and maybe even in Mexico, we're just, we love wrestling. Yes. It's there. It's, it's in our it, soul. It's soap operas for men. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's telenovelas for men. That's Absolutely. why we love it so much. We love it. Yes. Uh, so this is kind of a two-part piece uh, of, of information that came in the news. The first is Netflix. So Netflix, did you hear this? Mm. Bought Monday Night Raw. Oh. So it will be on Netflix starting January 2025 for, I want to say it was $5 billion over 10 years. Wow. Wait, we have to wait a whole year, though? I mean, yeah. But with the, we had an election in the middle of that. It's going to go by fa fast, okay. friend. All right. Yeah. <laughs> One, that fighting is in our blood, says Ed. 100%. Uh, it probably is that. And alcoholism. Um, yes. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So Netflix bought uh, Monday Night Raw, Monday Night Raw, but not SmackDown. 
No, and that's part of the thing. SmackDown's going to go still be on one of its channels, and then uh, there's another, I think it's... Uh, Will it be live? Yes. Okay, so live, you can tune in live. Raw on Mondays okay. on With commercials? No, I, I would assume no. But they'll probably figure that out. Yeah, they need commercials to, like, you know, reset. And then one's on Peacock. I forget which one's on Peacock, but... All so, of WWE is on Peacock. Yes, so except Raw now because <laughs> they got that deal. So this mm. came through. This came through. And then yesterday comes Vince McMahon gets super duper sued. And that dude is a nasty boy. <laughs> Did you hear about this? No. It's really bad. And it makes me question if we as a people, me- we got to walk. Away. We may have to walk away from the WWF. WWE. WWE. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. say F because I don't care about that entertainment crap. It's a federation. <laughs> uh-huh. And they punked out to the no, World Wildlife Fund. No, the, the, the McMahons are horrible, horrible people. Yes. So essentially what happened was this. Vince McMahon hired a woman to work in the WWF corporate office. Okay. He would give her random jobs, but it was really just she was his sugar baby. Oh. And would do a lot of... Sexual things. How does Linda feel about this? Yes. <laughs> On top of the other sexual things he did with other women as well. Uh-huh. Uh, but then, as it would turn out, in the process of her and his relationship, he would also have really gnarly sexual encounters with group sex situations. And I mean gnarly. And I'm not going to get into the text his text messages that came out. Uh-huh. But it does involve fecal matter. Wow. It's bad. And then would also use her in like corporate situations, essentially like sex trafficking her uh-huh. uh, to secure other talent, things like that. Long story less long, Vince and her and their agreement uh-huh. and she signs an NDA. But to the terms of that NDA was NDA was that Vince is going to pay her three million dollars. He ends up only paying her about one million because I guess some information leaked. Uh, and that caused him to not pay, which made her say, well, then F the NDA, uh-huh. let's lay out the facts. Uh-huh. It's pretty bad, friend. Wow. It's, it's on a level. I mean, I, I, the only way that I continue to support wrestling is I go back and watch like old wrestling videos, you know? So I haven't watched. But those are bad too. I haven't watched WWE since like 2004, sure. three, you know? Um, so do we do, does WWE deserve a corporate boycott at this point? How much do the McMahons still own? So Vince stepped away when other previous allegations about infidelity and giving away money mm-hmm. came through, but then he stepped back to to basically be at the helm when this deal the first deal was WWF and UFC are now one. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. I'm. Oh, I guess, yeah. If you're not watching wrestling like that, yeah. Welcome to this <laughs> thing. And then to the actual Netflix deal, he's been in charge and is still, in essence, in charge. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's my question. How much do they still own? And not so much how much are they still involved, right? Because you could be not involved and still getting a paycheck, right? Mm-hmm. So um, maybe. I. I mean, again... I don't subscribe anymore. I just, you know, live in my memories of WWE. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, those were the good days. Yeah, that time. Well, see, I, that's, I think that's also part of my difficult time with it because I, I do think fondly of the past wrestling stuff. 
it's tough though because of like things that like Roddy Piper has said on record <laughs> and the, what happened to like Jeff but, Hardy and but what's that new not new it's been around for a while but that it's like better than WWE the AEW AEW well they yeah. they have better practices uh-huh. essentially but they're it, it's a hard sell like it's it's trying to build momentum yeah yeah and it's struggling okay well this might because be because people like you know that. People like John Cena or whoever is right now, R- Roman yeah. Reigns. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Look at you. You're, you're still in the, you're in the zone. And, I mean, you know, I play the video game. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> WWE 2022? No, I have 19, actually. 2019. It's yeah. Been a, it's been a while since I updated. Well, you know. Mexicanos, we may have to move to, a, to AEW officially. Yeah. Or yeah. just go back to luchadors. Mm-hmm. You know, masks, flying, yeah, you know, at the rodeo. Damn right. Um, with the flea market around the corner, mm-hmm. like that—that's the real wrestling. Um, but I guess that's it for a major news event recap. Yeah, that's some major news. Oh, yeah. Well, we, except for the next one, but this is a new segment that you came that's up with. That's right. We're starting a new segment, and that's because uh, last week we realized we needed a palate cleanser to like get out of this segment. Yeah, so I don't know like, why we didn't start with this segment so that because the tequila hadn't hit yet. Okay, uh, this it. is a new segment. We're calling it, and actually, I'm going to use the voice for this. We are calling it. A handful of people decide. 2024. Let's go. And this is the reason I'm calling it a handful of people decide 2024 is because America's not deciding at all. It's like two states that are going to decide right now. It's 200,000 people out of the millions in this country that are making decisions. So first things first, got out of the Iowa caucus and immediately Ron DeSantis drops out. Fuck that guy. Hit that air horn. All right. Eat a dick, Ron. But don't fuck that guy. Yeah, no. Yeah, that guy's a horrible human being. I'm glad he dropped out Yeah. after he was talking tough shit. Nah, fuck that guy. Okay, so here is the big debate that's been happening in um, political circles, right? Because if you look at Iowa, Trump took a little over 50% of Iowa, right? And then the other 50% were kind of split between Nikki, Ron, and like two people voted for Nikki. Swami. Oh, yeah. Vivek. Yes. Um, so the question is, now that Ron DeSantis is out, do his people go to Trump or go to Haley? Right. And we had the new New Hampshire primaries. primaries and we saw that it kind of you know was getting close to the 50-50. I think it was 50- 47 53. So, yeah. Yeah. So potentially. Right. And this is where I think... We talk about how this whole process is fucked up. Like Iowa and New Hampshire are like the least representative states of what this country actually looks like. So Nikki's on this whole, you know, um, hill of we still got 48 states to go, people. Good for her. But the problem is you run out of money. She will likely not run out of money until South Carolina is over. For sure she'll make it to South Carolina. Will she make it past Nevada? So the Republican GOP, in a weird way, I don't know if you had read this in the news, but they changed a lot of the rules to favor Trump no matter what. Mm. And so that it's it's kind of like Nikki is fighting an, uh, two battles. Like she has to win the primary, but then she has to also like 
beat the handicap of it, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, like in uh, the golf term uh, to to get that sort of award, like any kind of success. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she's had this much success so early does say a lot, but I would also push back because then there's the big looming legal of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what would happen if Trump were to go to jail or ha- face serious consequences for his actions to where he can't serve as a president? Well, he actually can serve as a president from jail. He just wouldn't be able to campaign. Well, see, I think until that happened, I think that's going to be the only thing that would maybe make the Republican Party walk away from him. Because the other thing that happened after the New Hampshire primaries, disgustingly enough, is now the GOP is uh, starting to like circle the wagons. Uh They are starting to say, see the, the writing on the wall and that they can't topple MAGA white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, they're going to just try to partner with it, like justify it and let it get off the hook. Did you see um, Tim Scott? Yes, I did. (laughs) Yeah. Tim Scott of South uh, Carolina. He's a senator from South Carolina. For those who didn't see, he was running originally in the primary. Uh It looked Okay, among the top three, him, DeSantis, and, and Haley, dropped out early after a few debates, and, and then sided with Trump. Now, basically, is holding Trump's nuts in his ball, in his, in his mouth, in his mouth, right? Because uh, at a recent rally, Trump took it was just that's the other side of it. Trump is just taking a lot of jabs at Nikki right now, mm-hmm. and we'll kind of put a pin in that. We'll come back to it. <laughs> Uh, but as he's taking jabs at Nikki from his cello, his victory speech, he turns to to Tim and is like, hey, well, you're from South Carolina, so you must really hate her. And then Tim gets on the mic and says, no, I just loved you more. Uh, yeah. And this weird, horrible, like, like dystopian hallmark moment. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the obsequious Republicans are following suit because they don't want to shake the tree that keeps them fed. Yes. Because and that, lose their base. Exactly. Because that, that tree might give them an apple in a cabinet position or something. Right. I mean, and which, it, which to me does not feel like a reward. Like I would not, if I were a Republican in politics, I would not want a seat on, Trump's cabinet because you know that motherfucker is going to get in office and just be like, y'all got this right. I'm just going to go pardon myself and uh, play golf. Let me know if you need me to sign something. Right. Like he's not going to do shit. Right. Except try to figure out how to run for a third term and get more money because <laughs> everything he's done during his presidency, before his presidency, even now as he is running for reelection, it's only to serve his financial bottom line and mm-hmm. keep himself out of jail. Yeah. Exactly. So, so fuck that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we got anything else on that. Uh, no. The whole process is fucked up. We'll see what happens. We'll we'll keep you all informed. Uh, I think we know where we uh, land on this. Uh, here's the thing about the whole process being fucked up, right, is how these primaries are, like, spaced out. Like, it should just be a thing where, like, all 50 states vote in their primaries on the same day. Done. Right. Because imagine if the general election was like the primaries where it's like, well, I was going to vote first. And then two weeks later, changed my mind. Like, no, everyone should just go at the same time. I agree. Isn't that like a rule for a lot of things? I guess. Yeah. So we do it at the same time, love. That's right. That's right. When you come at the same time. 
It's always a better world. Exactly. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here because this isn't a good world. And yeah, it just makes me want to drink more. Uh, serve another shot. We're moving on to one of us doesn't know what we're talking about. Lay it on me. Okay. For those that don't know, and those that don't know, mean rooster. Uh, the new season of Drag Race has started. Ooh, hang on. ASMR moment. <sighs> That's sexy. Drink with us if you aren't already. Semincholla. <sighs> The new season of Drag Race has started. Uh, I think this is season 16, question mark? Good for Rue. Yes, Rue. Now the most uh, most Emmys by a person of color ever. Um, and these bitches are shady as fuck. So this is this section of the show is called One of Us Doesn't Know What the Other's Talking About. So mm-hmm. lay it on me because I am lost in the wilderness. Okay, friend. so for 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 a while now, there, there came a point in Drag Race where like it kind of became like RuPaul's best friends race, right? And all the queens were super nice to each other. Mm. And they're like, oh, do you need help sewing? I got you, friend. And, um, you know, like, let's form an alliance and yada, yada, yada. And just like being nice, but then like in the background being like, I don't think she's going to win, right? No, this season is shady as fuck mm. to their faces. Mm. To their faces. There's this one bitch, Plain Jane. Yeah. She just needs to fucking go. She's I hate not playing her. Jane. I hate her she's so much. Dirty Jane. Viscerally hate her. Damn. She legitimately thinks she's better than everyone and like tells them to their face. And, you know, to be fair, she's been in the top at one of the, there's only been three episodes. She's been in the top. Um, but her as a person is just so bad. Like in the last episode, she went up to this other one. Uh, who was it? Um, a mandatory meeting. Mm. That was the, her name. And she was like. A mandatory meeting. Amanda Tory meeting. That is excellent. I salute that. So she goes up to Amanda and she's like, hey, sister. Hi. So I just wanted to say, like, um, I'm not really liking what I'm seeing visually. And you haven't convinced me that, you know. You deserve to be here. Mm. So shady honesty. Maybe, you know, that might change. I don't know as we get to know each other, but I'm not a fan. Mm. And you say that's shady. Yeah. That's, I thought that was pretty to the point. But why? Because. But why, but why even say it? Because Pluto right? is in Aquarius. And, this, and Amanda's like, okay, I don't give a shit. I don't need to impress you. I need to impress the judges. So I don't care what you think of me. Mm. I did not ask for your opinion. I did not ask for your feedback. You can just take three steps back and two seats, please. Mm. So I don't know. I hate her. She's the kind of, she's the kind of queen that makes me hate the queer community. But Uh, you were saying, so you're saying that it's full of shady bitches, but plain Jane is the ultra. The shadiest of them all. There is, shout out, the first queen from South Texas to be uh, on the show. Um, something Carr. Damn. I already forgot her first name. It takes a while for me to remember names. Uh, but she's from Brownsville. 
Hey. That's right. So RGV now on the RPDR. That's right. RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, So stay tuned. New episode is actually happening right now as we speak, as we're recording. Uh, So we'll probably watch it later tonight or tomorrow. And uh, we'll see. If you want a really in-depth, deep dive on all things Drag Race, my co-worker Kyle Stephen Porter hosts a podcast called The Shade of It All, where it goes deep. Like, deep. (laughs) heard but yeah fuck that bitch <laughs> uh on my side of one of us doesn't know what we're talking about do you know what lovers and friends is friend i mean i know what lovers and friends are but i don't know what lovers and friends is okay so in las vegas oh. i want to say this started through two <laughs> years ago uh lovers and friends is a music festival okay it is evidence that we are absolutely old because this lineup is perfect. Okay. Usher. Okay. Janet Jackson. Okay. Snoop Dogg. Ah. Gwen Stefani. Ah. Backstreet Boys. Ah. Alicia Keys. Oh. Ludacris. I see what's happening. Nelly. Akon. <laughs> Neo. MIA. TLC. Nelly Furtado. No. Sierra. Like Janet Jackson. Not to also forget the likes of Timbaland, Brandy. Monica, Kelly Rowland, Sean Paul. Come on, man. Who doesn't love Sean DeBall? Yes. It's, and then there's more and more and more. <laughs> so it sells out very quickly. Okay. Um, this is not the first year that this is happening. Shout out to Raquel, who says that we're not old. That's young folk music. That's right. Which at that point, yeah. Young at heart. Young at heart folk music. That's right. Uh, Lovers and Friends. A- How long has this been going on? Two years. This okay. is year three. Okay. I believe. All right. That makes sense. It kind of was started by like Ludacris and that, Usher. That's like, you know, Blink-182 just dropped a new album? Yeah. They're trying to make a comeback. I don't know if it's a new album or just a new single, but they have a song out that um, I actually hate. I can't stand it. Uh, Fair. I mean, you know. The, the chorus is something along the lines of like, you know. Will you only love me if I'm gone? Like, hey, you die, you, you, die a hero, or live long enough to become the villain? Uh-huh. Okay, who's quoting Christopher Nolan now? I'm quoting the Joker. Uh huh. Gonna get it on treadmill for 15 minutes. You make me feel real old, real quick. Oh yeah, we're gonna get to it. So what's is what, what, it's looking lit as fuck. It looks lit as fuck, and it's been lit as fuck. And shout out to a few people who I saw already got tickets. Wow. I know Ruby from uh, right about now, H Town, uh-huh. got some tickets. A few other people got it. Uh, it's going to be, it's, it's it, I guess now that uh, at what point we're middle-aged, <sighs> it's time to bite that bullet. Yes. Yes. But at what point do we just kind of like the way, like middle-aged people did when we were young, say, fuck it and just play free bird for like five. I mean, that's hours. what I'm doing now. <laughs> Drinking tequila and bumping Freebird? Bumping oldies. I listen to classic rewind and classic vinyl. Yeah, but now it's Pitbull, like, give me everything tonight. Yeah, well, I, the thing is, when when pop culture was popping in the 2000s, I was punk rocking. So, like, it was still pop, though. It, it was, it, it, yes, that was pop, but it wasn't my pop, right? Like, I don't have an emotional connection to Usher at all. What is wrong with you, friend? I was a punk rock emo Usher. kid. But it was Ursher, and it was every, no. you did not get off to uh, 
fucking what the hell was this yeah. song? Yeah. Yeah. No. Wow. I wasn't going to school dances. Wow. Okay. I I could not name a Timberland song. I, yes, you could. No, I'd like recognize one, but I I wouldn't know it was him. Okay. So that's why like this this seems lit as fuck if you were into it when it was lit as fuck. And maybe that's the other side of this conversation because Raquel is really back in this era <laughs> of music right now in the comments. <laughs> uh just le- had to let us know that Pitbull came out with a new song We're Still Young and that we're still young. Um yeah, Cry Me a River. That was a Timbaland beat. Uh, Cry Me a River. Yeah. I knew it. I didn't like it. Look, man, I can't save punk, your 2000s. Punk you, rock man. emo kid. You were, so you're just like newfound glory every day and Coheed and Cambria, you know, <sighs> AFI. Okay. Leftover crack. Yeah. Uh, mindless self indulgence. Mindless self indulgence was I'm trying dope. to think like who, like which ones, like I actually went to. Avenge Sevenfold, but only like the first album. The second album got a little too like. Pop punk rock. What's funny about you telling me about this seminal moment of music history in your life, <laughs> because I'm slightly older, though that was my like, I would play that ironically at places <laughs> just to piss off bars uh-huh. that I was at that wanted to play Usher and Pitbull and Ludacris records. Uh-huh. But those albums are great too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Promiscuous girl. You already won. Yeah. See, I'm aware. But you didn't fall into it later in life? No. Wow. But I'm aware. Like, I know who they are. No, you're not. And I know some of their biggest songs. Okay. You know, love me some ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to lick, 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 lick you. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. What's the first verse in that one? Let's just, let's just, let's just move on. No, no, no. I'm going to get to it. Uh. I want to get you in the Georgia Dome on the 50 yard line where the dead bears kick the trees. That's the like second in the verse, club. Still good. Yeah, oh, wait, yeah. no, wait a minute. That was the first Like verse. in the club, we can do it in the DJ booth or in the back of the VIP with the human cherries on top. Like, don't stop. Like, you know, like there's yeah. moments, there's moments, but it wasn't my deal. It wasn't my jam. Well, <sighs> social media didn't exist back then. Yeah, man. So. You know, children get older and people get growner or whatever yeah. Stevie Nicks said in that song. <laughs> That's exactly it. Uh, but social media does exist now and we catch some things on the gram that Bye. we want to talk about. This is how much for a gram. Let's go. That was by to uh, Raquel, but, the ho- the co-host of Words and Shit. We recorded another episode earlier today. Excellent. Yeah. Shout so out to her. Season four of Words and Shit will be dropping in April. Excellent. It's decided. So this is called How Much for a Gram, where we found interesting things on the internet and we brought it to the table to kind of rap about. Maybe it's not hitting the big news, but let's go. Chibi, you hit it first. What's going on? Did I? I sent you this shit. No, I don't need it. I kind of, I have read it. Before. I read the article. Mexican news is Mexican food is popular. Oh, you forgot? I forgot. So apparently, it came out that one in I want to say eight restaurants in across the United States is a Mexican restaurant. Okay, and that. I think it was Los Angeles had the highest density of Mexican restaurants. One in 10 restaurants. One in 10. 11% of restaurants serve Mexican food according to- We have cracked the official code that we are the- We have broken into America's homes via the The kitchen. The kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised it's that small, actually. One in 10? Yeah. 
nationally. Nationally, yeah. And I think that's probably why, because we live in San Antonio and oh, like yeah. nine and ten yeah. restaurants here are Mexican restaurants. True. Um, but I think we've always known that Mexican food is amazing. Do we know that? I mean, we know that, but does America know that? Yeah, Taco Tuesday. That is a thing, but it's not the th- whole thing. It's not the whole enchilada. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I think I, while I love the news that's coming out that Mexican food is arguably the most popular food in America right now, which is what was at the heart of that article. Okay. Uh, I think there's still a lot of misconceptions about Mexican food. Okay. I think that there is still, I, you know, my feelings on this, so this isn't anything new to you, but to maybe the listener who's never heard me before, fuck Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, those places are trash. Yes. And I think what I do appreciate is more and more. Across the United States, what I am seeing is more mom and pop taquerias mm. kind of running mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. Look, if you are listening to this uh, and you don't know, here is the pro tip. If the Mexican restaurant that you are going to has a number at the end of its name. Go there. 1,000%. Yeah. Because taqueria Jalisco number seven means that there are six others that were so successful they had to open a seventh one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So take that. Um, That's the tequila talking. Yes, that's a that, no. That's the middle age talking, the indigestion, <laughs> the lovers and friends talking. <laughs> uh, but I'm still surprised that it's only a, a little over ten percent. Um, does this now? Here's the question: Is it just Mexican food, or does this also include like Tex-Mex and like Mexican fusion restaurants, like Asian Mexican so. fusions, like just as long as it has that, yeah. an element of Mexican food? Because, but but you're also but you're also looking at like pasta and mm-hmm. Italian food. You're looking at Chinese food, mm-hmm. um, American food, even like we, we're, we beat that and, shit out. Yeah. But burgers, or maybe they're wings. like probably the most, most popular, but maybe, yeah. uh, well, this statistic does not surprise me. 51% of all Mexican restaurants in the U S are either in California, Texas, Florida, New York, or Illinois. Yeah. We be, that's where we be. There's a lot of Mexicans in Illinois. And I th- and and you know what credit we're not getting, which would probably make it more like one in six on that list, is all those fucking wraps that they sell. <laughs> like, bitch, I don't care if you put a Caesar salad in between a tortilla. It's a goddamn taco. That's right. You know, so uh, McDonald's te- technically serves Mexican food. They do. They serve breakfast tacos. There you go. Yeah, but what are they trying to act like? It's I, something else. You know what? Whataburger I, got them. I think then this um, this Tracks. poll is not on track. It should be bigger. Mm. It should be bigger. If you serve breakfast tacos, you are uh, serving Mexican food. Yeah. And therefore- McDonald's. Mexican adjacent. Ronald. How much of it, though, is like Mexican food? And how much of it is just, you know, like- How tor- much of torti- anything? Tortilla in, sandwiches. Yeah, how much of, it, of anything? Because I will never call torchies or velvet taco Mexican food. Mm-hmm. It's fucking delicious, but it's not Mexican food. Yeah. It's tortilla sandwiches. But if you ask an American if it's Mexican food. Yes, because it has a taco. Yeah. That's just going to be what they do. Was that it? No, that was she who must not be named. Oh. Uh, we've got about 10 minutes before this Instagram live stream is cut, but we're actually, you know, we're, we're jamming through this. Yeah, we got a couple more things. Uh, this I did want to bring up because it kind of stayed on the topic of food. 
James Beard Awards yes, semifinalist? You, know you know the James Beard Award, I right? I do. I do. So the 2024 James Beard Awards semifinalists have been announced, and we had some from San Antonio that okay. were in the, the running. So Let's we see. have Christopher Cullum from Cullum's, Cullum's Attaboy. Oh, been there. really? Good food. Yeah. Really? The burger place? Yeah. Wow. And, and other things. James yeah. Beard nominee. Okay. Semi-finalist. Okay. Yeah. So they're in the running. Uh, Andrew Ho, Andrew Samina, and Sean Wen for Curry Boys Barbecue. Okay. I've heard of it. I've seen it. I know a lot of people who say it's good. I've actually never been to Attaboy, if we're going to back to just... You've been to Attagirl. Yes. Yeah. Love their wings. 100%. Uh, except when they went up in price. Uh, Jennifer Hua Dobbin, Dobberton. Best quality daughter, which I've heard of and I've been trying to go there. It's in the Pearl. Best quality daughter. Yeah, it's a Chinese American okay. establishment. Uh, Dave Kirkland and Ernest uh, Cervantes for Burnt Bean Co. Barbecue, which I have heard is fantastic and is giving Salt Lake a run for its money. Ooh, and where is that one? That one is actually, I want to say, in shirts. Okay. Or it's, it's out that way. Okay. Like it's right outside of the city, but it's close enough that it's, we call, we, we, we could it. go, we could go. Uh, and then Mex, uh, Mexley, which is that sort of uh, progressive Mexican culinaria place in Southtown that I've seen. And it looks very funky and I've the been pl- hesitant is, to go. But is apparently it a place that uses like microgreens yeah. instead of cilantro? I love me some microgreens. Yeah, they do Not stuff like lie. that. So salute to them, man. Salute to uh, the, the foodie culture of San Antonio. We're going to give it its flowers. Uh, maybe we go eat there. Maybe. Maybe. If they're now James Beard semifinalists, they're probably increasing their prices. Yeah. Um, Staying with social media, though. Wait, 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 wait. So, but what else does Attaboy serve besides burgers? Um, I know they have, like... Because that's the only one that I recognize out of the list. Hold, please. Hold. Entertain our guest, Shibby. Uh, I don't know. Like, it's way more than that. They got, uh, like, they got that. Oh, I don't yeah. even know what that they is. They got that. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, like, Cullum's Attaboy has has got some, some it's, looks. It's not a... I, I know they have a really good uh, brunch menu. It's not the dive bar oh, restaurant no, 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 that no. Atta Girls is. Yes, which okay. that is. In fact. And it's amazing. Some of the best wings in San Antonio. So yeah. if you're in San Antonio and you're watching, uh, Columns at a Girl on the St. Mary Strip, um, highly recommend. All right, cool. Well, uh, I guess that does it for how much for a gram. Uh, we can get out of here real but quick. staying in the social media of it all. Staying in the social medias. This is what's going down in the DMs. This is something that somebody messaged us and was like, you should talk about this. So we will. And just so you know, you can always get in our DMs, all right? If you see something and you're like, I want to hear these two crazy drunk Mexicans talk about NASCAR, um, send it our way. Do me a favor, though. If you go, if you are going down in our DMs, my DMs specifically, let me know, hey, this is for the pod. Yes. Because I get a lot of things in the DM without context. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's where I've been having problems lately. Um, shout out to Ron Horn. That's that you're who I'm specifically talking to. <laughs> yeah. Ron Horn has multiple times sent me something, and I'm like, it's just a link to an article. And I'm like, yeah. Do you listen to our podcast and want us to talk about this, or are you just sending this to me? Yeah. And are you just sending this to me, or did you send this to a hundred of your friends? Right. 
shout out to Trey. Same thing. He'd be sending me funny stuff. And then sometimes like things that I'm like, this isn't normal. Well, that's how one of these ended up on here was because I got sent something and I like for the pod question mark. And it was like, you know what? Yeah. So it it wasn't originally for the pod. But first things first, uh, Pinto, always welcome on the pod, uh, sent us a little article about how Mezcal is going extinct. Did you read this? I did. Yeah, so uh, because mezcal has had this like boom in the United States, typically mezcal, the agave plants for mezcal take like 30 to 40 years to really mature and reach peak prime flavor, ready to be turned into mezcal-ness. Ness. Uh, and because of the demand for mezcal now, uh, a lot of those plants those um what's the word for it not breeds agave yeah. oh those uh the type strains? of strains sure you, you know what we're talking about they're going extinct these mm-hmm. ones that take longer that have been around for much longer uh they're they're not repopulating as fast as the demands needing and we're losing so many of them so now it's being replaced by these other uh, agave plants that only take six to nine years. But the quality the is not yeah. as good, you know, and there's it will they disappear because Americans have commodified mezcal. As much as it is a joy that mezcal is be growing in popularity um, over tequila. And and the farmers of mezcal get to diversify in ways that the farmers of tequila cannot, uh, which I'm also for. Uh, This does suck. I mean, it goes back to the whole capitalism sometimes can harm, make things great. And then sometimes, I mean, you know, there's people making money and I I hope that they're they're brown gente who needed it. Uh But yeah, it it does kind of suck that it's potentially going extinct. And then... Would we'll just be like, a, I, I don't know, like similar to uh, other types of- The dodo of, bird. The dodo bird, yeah. It, dodo bird, it was such juicy, tender meat. That it went extinct. Yeah, we ate them to death. Yeah. That's actually not true. No, it is true. <laughs> we did not eat them to death. Yes, we did. No, we didn't. Yes, we did. No, they're just a dumb bird. N- they're a dumb bird because they were getting ate and they didn't run away. Were the dodo birds eaten to death? Yes. And they didn't. It's kind of similar to like, I believe it was similar to like a, uh, what is it? A panda situation. Like they don't make more dodo birds fast enough. Yeah. Some were killed by sailors looking for a change in diet. Others by the rats, cats, pigs, and monkeys the sailors brought with them. Or yeah. dodos may have gone hungry as the invaders cleared forests rich in fruits. So that, see, yeah. that makes more sense. We did not eat them And they death. were flightless, so they couldn't bounce. And they were dumb. But mezcal is not flightless or dumb. Well, it is flightless. And it actually doesn't have a consciousness uh, that we know of. Miguel says, going to only be one strain, just like U.S. corn. Ooh. Yeah. That's the fair That's point right thing. there. That's a thing. Uh, and it's going to be sad. So, you know, maybe ease up a little bit, America, right? There are certain things that you. When did Mescal become cool? I don't know. Maybe like I think, you know, when I think ago? it did, COVID. Yeah, like five years ago. Yeah. When everybody was like baking their own sourdough bread and yeah. then decided, and you know, being like, more like culinarily adventurous mm-hmm. because they're like, yeah. They were like mezcal. Yeah. Because I do remember like alcohol being a huge thing during COVID, primarily just so people can get through the day. I remember I used to have my glass, I would call it a stay the fuck home juice. Uh-huh. And it was just, you know, whiskey and Coke. Some some people started a podcast that, uh, you know, enables the drinking of tequila at copious amounts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so I think in response to that, that's kind of where Mezcal got its push. I think the coolest thing about Mezcal uh, is the the flowering that happens of mm-hmm. it. If what, like once it's like reaching like its peak, it shoots up this branch from the center of its flower that in some cases reaches 30, 40 feet in the air and just has this bright, gorgeous flower at the top. Um, For the past, I want to say, 15 years, instead of having a Christmas tree, my mom goes out and finds one of these, like, dead mezcal branches and you brings it home. Yeah. She looks like a crazy lady, like, picking up this, like, 10-foot branch and brings it home and decorates that as if it were a Christmas tree. Not with Christmas lights. Don't tell the white people because they're going to steal that. Damn. If you white, you can't have it, okay? You already have pine trees. Yeah. The Uh, last thing that came into our DMs came from the homie J.R. Estrada. J.R. I believe you have a clip. I do. And this is Jake Lambert come something or other. You've basically got two main types of millennials. First of all, you've got your classic chaos millennial, and they rent with either their friends or their partner. They will have a proper job, but that is the only one mature thing in their life. And for eight hours a day, five days a week, they're able to convince other people that they're actually a fully functioning adult. And the other type of millennial went in a completely different direction. They're now married with children, they've got a mortgage, but despite having all that, they still actually feel like a child living in an adult's body. And now both types of millennials are friends. It's just that neither of them can quite understand how the other one is managing to live like that. Like one of them will talk excitedly about something their children have done. And the other one will talk with even more excitement and enthusiasm about the fact that their favorite band growing up is now doing a reunion tour. I see no lies. Mm. Is, 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 I'm feeling a little triggered. <laughs> um, I am definitely millennial A. Chaos, chaos millennial. millennial. Yeah, I, I have a I have a great job that I love, but that I feel like how I'm in charge of this. You know, similarly, like even when I was working at Mac and I was like a manager and a trainer, I'm like people trust me to accomplish some of these things, uh, and I do. Like I hold it down, uh, but then. I played Dead by Daylight for four hours nonstop. And right? ecstatically. Ecstatically. And tell me about it. Uh, I will I will play Assassin's Creed. I am dying for the new Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, uh, which is the second half of the remake, but it's only coming out on PlayStation 5, and I don't have a PlayStation 5 because I don't got it like that. So I'm a little sad. We play Pokemon in this house, okay? Pokemon trading cards, not even like the new Pokemon on the Switch, sure. right? I don't know how I am an adult. Yeah. And then I have friends my age that have like three kids. And I'm like, I thought the message was that that Switch, though. I n- thought. No, 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 no. Okay. I, I got that like we we have a job. So let's. Yeah, it's okay. a good job. We convince people that we are high-functioning adults, but then at the end of the day, like, we're still a mess. Pow World, says the homie Chris. Pow World. I don't know what that means. Yeah, explain. Um, um, but we're still a mess. Well, I think that know? was what it was. It was, like, high-functioning chaos to where it's, like, you're doing adult things, but you're still doing childish things. Mm-hmm. But then on the other – or you, you, you're you sort of inclined to childish right. things. Whereas on the other side, you're doing more adult things, but you are – You feel like a child. You feel like a child, and you're sort of – yeah. I, I'll say it like this. I think 
we, I, I, I used to say this when I was like 19, which is nuts that when I think about it, but I feel like we come from a generation that is the little brother of generation X and not just the, um, like in terms of what we had to live through. Cause there, there are younger millennials like who, who mm-hmm. like don't really remember things like nine 11 or vaguely remember them or didn't mm-hmm. live through things like that. Or they were listening to Coheed and Cambria when Usher was dropping hits in the wow. club. Um, <laughs> but you're not wrong. My, my older brother is Gen X. You know? Right. And, and so most of my cousins are Gen X. And, and it's this weird thing where Gen X taught us that like, like specifically I'll just use myself as an example that like you had to, to rebel against all things, always fuck your parents, fuck the law, fuck the nation, fuck government and all the, and, and that. And then they went and got jobs. They did. And they got married and they settled <laughs> down and they moved to Portland and bought and, a unicycle. And they're basically the um, subject of office space. Yes, exactly. And then, and then with this kind of cusp Gen X millennial thing, it's like we went hard into the rebellion to where, yeah, like we factors come into play. So while yes, we didn't necessarily go run to marriage and children and all that, uh, at the same time, the economy collapsed. There was a war that happened uh, in, in Afghanistan that took a whole generation of people. Two generations. Two, 20 yeah, years. Yeah, of mm-hmm. people to, to to go out there and come back and deal with issues and, and, and such. And so, like, I, I do agree with that. I think that we are the generation, and I think this even is permeating in, into Gen Z a little bit, mm-hmm. that we don't have a, a, a true north. Mm-hmm. Whereas like our parents had the true North where it was like you suppress things like childhood desires and, and fun and, um, holistic, you know, happiness <laughs> for family to, to fit certain societal norms. Uh-huh. And I get that. That's fantastic. But they weren't really happy. We dealt with parents who had like issues and, you know, this is why divorce rates were high mm-hmm. and, and, and so forth. And then with Gen Z, they kind of were in the mix of like not really understanding the message, rebelling against the message, having to sell out and then get to a place of of, of stability mm-hmm. to where now we're here and we're like, well, let's just not do any of it. Let's play Pokemon. Yeah. Let's let's this well, is why Funko Pops is one of the most popular things. Well, right now. I, I think it's because we lost the milestones that we saw kind of like defining adulthood. Right. You know, you get married, you, you, you land a good job. You, well, first you land a good job, then you get married. At least if, you know, like you're my father, that's the message you're trying to instill. Right. Uh, then you buy a house, right? And then you start a family. Like all, a lot of these options were just taken off the table entirely. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, I'm, you know, 36 years old and still renting. Mm-hmm. With my friends. With well, not me with my friends, but yeah, with your friends or with yeah. your partner, you yeah. know, like yeah, you don't own a house, you don't know what that means. Yeah. Uh, when like by this point in time, my parents had you know were on their second house, mm-hmm. right? And the loss of those milestones make us feel like we haven't grown up, right? And also, we were the generation of. Toys R Us, right? KB Toys. I'm gang. a toy. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Fucking I don't want right. to grow up, right? Mm. 
Why would uh, remember the Burger King Kids Club? Uh huh. Kid Vid and them. Hell yeah, you don't remember that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you tried to co-sign it. Though, I was just but like, it's all yeah. Good. Well, I agree with whatever you're saying. Yeah. You, you, you're right. Blockbuster um, video. <laughs> yes. Like things were things. We had the opportunity to live in our made up worlds of of entertainment, of yeah. enjoyment, of culture. And like I think we've said, we were the last generation to grow up without the internet. Mm -hmm. You know, and so there were a lot of like like board games and things like that that we still like absolutely stand and have a great time doing. And I don't I just again, I think like we lost some of these milestones. And so because of that, I've never really felt like a grown up like I do grown up things and like I'm really good at my job and clearly I can maybe take care of myself. Not really. Actually, that's not very clear at all, uh, but still feels like I'm plain mm -hmm. adulthood and not actually in adulthood completely feel the same like if i think back of like what my dad was doing when he was 40 like he had already started his like second business and and like to be fair that generation too like uh they were getting married at like 19 20 21 22 like super young and like going right into it yeah but my like, parents got married at 18 my grandmother and grandfather got married at 18 and 19 my dad's first marriage was when he was 30, I think. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. My parents are uh, older than most millennials' parents. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, no. I but we also had societal milestones that, like, a lot of people didn't have to go through. Like, we didn't have a disco era because we had... 9-11 you know what I mean like we didn't have like the age of Aquarius in the 60s um but we're living in an anti-war movement now I think I was gonna say thank you for re-sparking this I feel like what our generation is going through right now is very similar to what the beat generation was going to in the 40s and 50s right this, into the 60s even this yeah. kind of like well what did we inherit and is it even worth you know like trying to achieve or do we just try to something bring a life into this world that's on fire yeah or do we just try something different you know and see how it works for us and um yeah we'll see maybe it's because i'm teaching alan ginsburg on monday to my kids uh and i'm very excited for it blow their mind are you a type one or a type two millennial let us know in the chat or you know slide into a dm and let us know because i i do you know uh any millennials who do have kids and are married like but they got it young because i know a few mm -hmm. but most of my tribe was the chaotic millennials yeah no i have some friends from high school who are my age and have like three kids like their oldest kid is like a teenager here's another a follow-up question do they kind of seem out of touch i don't know i don't actually speak to them okay. i just know they exist because <laughs> again it's one of those things we we live very different lives i mean like look right. at what happened to one of our friends like once you know she had a kid it's like we never see you anymore why because you go to work and then you go home and you take care of your kid mm -hmm. so like that is what it is. It changes things completely. Going back. So this is sort of in line with what we're talking about. But I had a friend. Uh, it was someone I was dating at the time. And she had a roommate who kind of at a young age got essentially her dream job. Mm -hmm. And so she would go to work, come home, hang out. And I remember the person I was with at the time was like, is that what like regular life is? And we kind of sat with that for a minute because it was like, yeah, like most people who get the jobs that are like careers. Yes. 
you go to work, you do your work, you come home, and if you have a partner, you're with them. If you have kids, you raise them, and mm-hmm. da, 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 you cook dinner. And, and like, your closest friends are, like, your neighbors. Why? Right. Because you don't have to go anywhere. They're or just you, right get there. It, or you get parent friends, yes. or you get couple friends. Yes, and, and, and play dates. And pl- yeah. And are play dates still a thing? Yeah, no, play date, no, no. Audience. Yeah, if you got kids, let us know if play dates is, is a thing. Like, your kid has a friend kid. Who and and you, you take your kid to your friend's house and then like you all drink wine in in the breakfast nook while they are playing uh the switch in the living room yeah they're taking kids to soccer practice and stuff like that and and just that to me was always baffling because i always felt that they were trying to i don't want to say be envious of what i do but it was always it was it was like this weird double-edged sword where either they were envious of my life or they would judge my life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's like well you're just not living like an adult and and I think there is some residual from that where now maybe, maybe. where now I'm like yeah like maybe I am not or da 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 but no matter what accomplishments I had or even if it was just like well I pay my bills so fuck you yeah like what you know what else do I got to do uh, it, there was some judgment from that camp and and that kind of like caused the separation uh, but at the end of the day like we just want to be people yeah and every once in a while like a you know the baby fever will start to percolate in me but then I'm like. And you hear Greta Thunberg tell us that the world is going to melt. That's the, that becomes your whole life. Or at least, it, to be fair, it should. If you're responsible for another human being's life, especially one that can't take care of itself, yes, it should become your whole life. Do I want it to become my whole life? Well, I'll say this, know. friend. Like, I remember it was just sort of an epiphany moment. I think at like 28, 29, when I was having a conversation with someone and it came up like, really, you don't have kids. And then even into my 30s and so on and so forth, like, really, you don't have kids. And I, it just like fell out of my mouth. But I was like, oh, yeah, it's because I'm selfish. Like 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah. And then like they were kind of shocked. And then I was even kind of shocked because I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm selfish. You are a Scorpio. True. <laughs> but it, it, it made sense in the moment so far as that I, I, I it crystallized everything that I've been thinking. Like I could not have a kid at any of these moments in my Mm -hmm. life because I just wanted to be selfish Mm -hmm. and I, I chose myself. Look, my, and now we cherish that online. Exactly. You know, that wasn't cool when Usher was dropping Lovers and Friends in 2004. Why do you think the beat generation produced so much work for as long as they did? Because they didn't have kids to take care of. So they could spend their time writing poems and books and traveling the country and living life and yada, yada, yada. Look, I get it. Earlier this week, or was it last week? I, what is time? Um, my dog has a routine, okay? And right now we have an automatic dog feeder because we were traveling a lot. And so, like, we didn't want to burden our friends to, like, have to come at a specific time to, like, feed her. So, like, we know she's getting fed. Just come and let her out. But her routine is 9 a.m., the food comes out of the dog feeder. She eats the food. Right after she eats the food, she needs to be let outside to potty. And then when she's done potting, she comes back in and drinks water. Mm-hmm. In that order. Never will it change. It's my life. The other day, I slept in a little too long. And then I walk into my office and I'm like, why is the carpet wet? Because you fucked up. Because the dog pissed the carpet. Because I slept in and didn't let the dog out. Right. And you know what? That's on me. At the end of the day, the dog still relieved itself. And I was the one that was burdened to like, you know, clean up the pee. Clean up the pee. However, 
a baby can't do that. <laughs> can't do that. Yeah, right? no off days with kids. And respect to the people who have kids. Salute exactly. to you. Exactly. I do think that in this like culture clash between the individuals who are millennial A versus millennial B, though, like we got to find common ground because we had experiences that y'all didn't have, and now we're getting married later. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're ha- having kids later. Um, but at the same time too, I see a lot of millennial B now wanting to have fun and do cocaine (laughs) (laughs) like they missed out on and play the games and get into it. And it is kind of weird because they look and act almost like what middle age was when we were kids. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, I don't think we do. We've kind of held on to some sort of youthful vitality of some kind, but kids will do that to you. Millennial B get a babysitter. And let's, let's, let's. No, the kids is going to, like, I have a homeboy of mine who, his kid is, like, in college now. And, like, this is a dude who, like, yeah, we was down in the shit. And, like, to be like, bro, like, your kid is in college. Like, that's crazy. But now he's out here living his best life. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, it's like, you're not, he's not, like, a single dad anymore because, yeah, the kid's gone. And the you're kid's just, ground. You're just single. <laughs> and it's like, and now he's like, yo, where the hoes at? And I'm like, bro, like, it's past nine o'clock, friend. We're going to bed, okay? We're watching True Detective season two and going to bed. Season three. Oh, season three. Oh, no, four. Is it four? It's four. Oh, okay. Night Country? Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. It's been sitting there. It's good. It's because, oh, that was my phone. Turn that off. Yeah. True uh, Detective season four is, it's it's dope. It's because uh, I love season one. I did could mm, two and three. It was like <sighs> I like three, but two was a, a slog. Yeah, it was a slog. So I've been, but it's Jodie Foster, and uh, apparently Jodie Foster is having a resurgence. You mm-hmm. know, so that's that. Um, that's it. Are we still? We're still live streaming, man. I know Instagram it's still didn't going. get us out of here. So shout out to y'all who uh, are sticking through it. We appreciate y'all. But we are sticking out of here. Um, that's it. Quick transition into our outro. Uh, anything you got coming up that you'd like to share? Next Wednesday, Black Poetry Spot. It's the finals, man. San Antonio, come out, show some love. Uh, other than that, yo, just thank y'all for rocking with us. If y'all, and thank you. This is a new thing. Maybe we'll do it again where we're live streaming. Maybe not. I'm at it. But uh, we appreciate all the listeners who came and are at, you know, yeah. listening and Even if you're playing and, Switch while you're listening to us. Yeah, we got you. I see you, Chris. Yeah. Matter of fact, the homie Chris, I need to give you your Christmas present still. Whoop. See, Millennial A. Uh-huh. I'm behind chaos. on chaos. Chaos. Absolute chaos. Uh, but thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, what do we got? What do we got? I'm going to go see a play this weekend. Right on. Yeah. Which Hand, one? Hand to God. Okay. Down in Laredo. It takes place in Cyprus, Texas. Oh, hey, and Cyprus. There, there's a possessed puppet. Apparently, this teenager is repressing a lot of his feelings, and so he makes a puppet, and that puppet controls him, and he acts out. And then there's also sleeping with your teachers, and uh, that would happen in Cyprus. It's so, All like, that would happen yeah, in Cyprus. It's uh, it's it's getting good reviews. I'm excited to see it. Uh, some former castmates in it. Um, we'll Shout see out to the Mexicanos in Cyprus, yo! Y'all are on the low, but I, I, I've seen y'all. <laughs> y'all are there. Y'all's Michoacana is legit. You're around. You're around. But yeah, uh, what were we saying? You were thanking the listeners. Uh, if the listeners. Uh, enjoy us uh, you can follow us or something what am I supposed to see provide show information how the how to you follow, can follow me on Instagram at Roos MTZ R-O-O-S-T-M-T-Z that's right and uh, if you're already watching this on IG that means you are following me at Gemini's G-E-M-I-N-E-Y-E-S but we getting out of here y'all this uh, is a Gemini's production 
podcast. So send us your comments, your tweets, upcoming exciting things to check out. And if you just didn't like the show, you can send that to us at after two, the number two, tequila shots at Gmail. Follow me, follow Chibs. Our theme music is Got It Going On by John Prestone and Bouncy Walk by Mood Mode. Please make sure you like, subscribe, rate, review, and share wherever you get your podcast because it helps us get the word out. Do that thing. Um, We're going to go get drunk with our spouses, question mark? Vince McMahon, a nasty motherfucker. That's right. Fuck that man. But But don't don't fuck fuck that man. man. Peace, y'all. Adios.